Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Temple Tonelli, and I'm joined by Patrick Kagongo and Jason from Frozen and Carbonite. This week, we're talking about adult contemporary skateboarding and wondering whether creating content is an essential part of skateboarding. Old dudes have been having a moment this week. First, Free introduced us to Old Man Paul, a 56-year-old skater from Stockwell in the UK who skates more than most and learned 70 new tricks this year. Then, just today, Mackenzie Eisenhower, aka Dead Hippie on Instagram, published 10 tips for skating in your 40s. Patrick, how old are you? Are you getting prepared for your 40s? I'm, uh, I'm about to knock on that door. Next year, I turn 40. I guess I should be excited, but I'm also low-key terrified. Why do you ask? <laughs> well, there's uh, the 10 tips for skating in your 40s, and I'm wondering, were you um, uh, taking notes? I'm definitely taking notes. Um... I appreciate the fact that there's vulnerability in the way that he talks about being an older skater, about giving yourself time, telling older skaters, skaters in their 40s, to just push around, get comfortable, find a spot that's going to become your spot. And I think Instagram has really helped because I could really care less about a blog about somebody rediscovering skateboarding or even an article. But an Instagram account like Dead Hippies, like all of the old head skate instagrams you can just watch people who are your age and older sometimes just pushing around sometimes doing like mckenzie and ripping he is absolutely phenomenal i've seen him skate curbs in person um completely spellbound and the fact that he's skating as well as he is in his mid-40s especially at a spot as hard to skate as the courthouse don't let the videos fool you that stage is enormous. It's inspirational. It's really, really awesome. I think it's a testament to the fact that skateboarding is really maturing and it's growing up and it's it's really making it a point to make space for older skaters. Um, I always feel like I throw to Jason about um, how it used to be back in the day, but once again, you know, I think this is more of a testament to Jason, your ability to kind of jump in the DeLorean and let us know like what was it like back then when, say, like a Matt Hensley retired when he did when matt hensley hadn't even peaked like if it had been now i mean matt hensley would be like hey you can keep skating until you're 60 he was that ahead of the curve and he was so good i mean like jason like what do you think it is about the last decade that has made skating much more accepting of older skaters and not just like older skaters like oh ricky rackman headbangers ball pool school but like older skaters <laughs> skating street shout out, shout out ricky rack i mean uh the Headbangers Ball is back, by the way. Anyway. Hell yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just probably just people taking better care of themselves and, you know, like the icons still being able to skate, like your guys and your Costins and your Andrew Reynolds. And it's kind of like each year, it's it's like another like foot in um like, you know, like digging a tunnel. Like, all right, how many, how old can you still street skate at? You know, like you were saying, when Hensley, Hensley retired, like, to me, I was in, like, whatever, ninth grade, but, and, like, she was, like, 24, 25, like, man, that, that, you're, you're over, like, you're done, like, you're cut, you know? Because there weren't no 40-year-old skateboarders at the time, besides, like, whatever, whoever bombed that hill in New York in, like, 1965 or whatever, you know? <laughs> That's the OG right there. Yeah, it's, like, it's, I mean, it's relatively young as a culture, so, I mean, we've been, uh, we've been able to see, like, the El... Not elder, elder statesmen sound stupid, but like whatever icons kind of be able to mature and still rip. Kind of like if you think about guitar or whatever, like Steve Vai or whatever is almost 60, still ripping. 
Hey, Van Halen ripped like until the day he died, rest in peace. You know what I mean? So it's just because it's a young culture, relatively speaking. So we're kind of like in uncharted territory now every year, like on one step further, like, okay, how old can you be and still street skate? But um, yeah, this interview was with uh, old man Paul was pretty crazy. It kind of gave me a better outlook on being able to skate forever, like into like reti- after retirement, you know, so that's tight. So you're going to hit the curb spot and then go get the uh, the blue plate dinner special at Denny's? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm i not sure how long I'm going to be able to keep running the baggy pants. <laughs> That's also uncharted territory. Uh, but, you know, we'll see how we'll see how that goes. Like one day, one day it might yeah. feel weird. 67 in the retirement home posted up wearing some Kalkani jeans. Yeah, yeah. Or like whatever. Or like some polar big boys, whatever iteration they are. At that point. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, Templeton, uh, what did you think of the old man Paul, the old man Paul interview? Because I got a lot of I got a lot of I got a lot of feelings about it. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Uh, he's definitely kind of like a like I feel like most parks have like their own version of this guy. You know, maybe he's not quite as interesting as old man Paul, but like the dude who just kind of like it, like nobody knows where he came from. He like didn't. It doesn't like skate with anybody. He just like shows up at the park and is totally fucking weird, but is kind of awesome at the same time. Like, yeah, I, I think he's like a, um, there's that dude everywhere or in most places. And it was, it was interesting to kind of like get his story. Cause I'll, I'll bet that dude at your local park has like a similar story. Jason he's, is, is that dude had, do you know that dude in your part in your local area? Oh, well, there's this one dude, uh, Al, who's like f- maybe five years older than I. And like he has this super old school bag of tricks. Like he's not like a like a loner or a hermit or anything like he's cool. as fuck. like he, you know, s- skates like, you know what I mean? Socially, as they say. But he does shit like on a bank. He'll do like a Bertelman like layback slide or something or like on a mini ramp. He'll do like a 540 layback slide and shit like that i don't know it sounds hard as far but it's actually cool like he has good style and shit when he does it so yeah that's one dude around here is like that there's probably a bunch more too all right yeah speaking of tricks that uh don't sound good i was actually <laughs> looking at his uh old man paul's notebook that had all his tricks in it and it, there's some pretty wild shit in there that i, I was like i need to see some footage because i can't picture what some of these tricks are let me see if i can find what are they like for like the angles are all weird like 450 or something yeah like well what's the standard like also is any of it on film because it's one thing for it's one thing for him to be to refuse to engage with the internet but you know i've seen you know we see the photos in the magazine of his guitar pedals and some of his drum machines and synthesizers and he talks about working on music so he's not a total luddite so somebody's got to film him somebody's got to somebody's got to get a part out of this man yeah, I was disappointed not to see any clips because I really want to see like uh, uh, Fakie 270 50 50 Revert Melon, this one. And front nose 50 50, front side kick turn in. And he's done that one twice, according to the notebook. So yeah, he, wow. That's, uh, that's pretty intense. The closest I would get to that is like the straight eight. You know, the straight eight, mm-hmm. like do this, yeah, warm up with the straight eight every day, like, like kick flip, heel flip, not a flip, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I thought about making because I love spreadsheets. I thought about making a spreadsheet of all the tricks I can do, but I, I just haven't done it yet. Man, I I f- that would be an interesting endeavor. 
to just see how many tricks I could do. Every, every trick that you can do or every trick that you're proud of? Because those are two wildly different lists. Right, because it's like, do I say frontside kick turn, backside kick turn, uh, fakey thrust? Like, <laughs> <You> thrust. <laughs> some of those aren't, aren't quite tricks, but maybe if I'm just going for sheer numbers, they count. <laughs> Oh, like the oh, like your like the like a those videos people make where they do like a forty-two tricks for forty-two, blah blah blah. Like, man, hell no, absolutely <laughs> I mean, not. Like, I, mean, I would, I would rather. I think it makes much more sense. It's kind of like with birthday candles, right? Instead of putting forty-two candles on the birthday cake, just give me one good trick. Maybe, oh, actually, no. Give me a two-piece. If you can give me a two-piece, that is better than forty-six tricks. I thought about for my birthday trying like. For me, the next birthday is 42, trying 42 tricks. So it started to be like kick flip, heel flip, tray flip. Like, you know, I can do those tricks. And then it would be like nollie flip, bail, no, like whatever. Just like me bailing a bunch of tricks. I think that would be pretty funny. But I don't think that would be funny to anybody but me, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) It's a birthday in joke. Yeah, Um, yeah. But one thing I wanted to, to kind of explore with this guy, Old Man Paul, is that he is a particular type of Englishman, uh, very kind of bloody-minded. It definitely seems like he's kind of in the same swim lane as, say, Crass or Zounds or any of those bands that are centered around the Dialhouse slash Southern Studios orbit of uh, anarcho-punks. And he definitely hints at the fact that he has some pretty far-left uh, political views that would, quote, get him in trouble with certain right-wing politicians. And his refusal his refusal to engage with the Internet is interesting because the Internet has radically reshaped the way that we do pretty much everything. And, you know, when folks talk about not wanting to use Amazon, I mean, that also includes not using most of the Internet because the majority of the sites that we use, the majority of the apps that we use, um, are utilizing uh, Amazon Web Services, um, AWS servers. And I would really, it would be amazing to dig deep with this guy because it definitely seems like he has some very, very firm beliefs. And it's amazing that he talks about going to his ex-wife's house and asking her to use the Internet for him. It's almost like it's almost like he's got a restraining order against the Internet or something like that. That's really the only way I can put it. But like, it's fascinating that He's still engaged with skateboarding and skate culture at a time where it's more online than ever and has really been radically reshaped by the internet and by social media. We'll get to that later in the show. But the fact that he's really so dedicated and staunch in his views is actually pretty admirable because we live in a time now where a lot of people just don't give a shit and kind of, um, you know, they, they, hashtag, uh, they hashtag about certain things. Um, they may share or retweet or like a post about something that's politically or socio-politically relevant, but a lot of folks don't really do much. And here's somebody who is aggressively and assertively living a certain sort of life and really taking the idea of the personal is political to another level. And what's interesting is that that's really, really, really hard, you know, for most people, regardless of where you are in the world, because, you know, in a lot of other parts of the world, like, hey, like, if you, if you don't use the internet, if you don't get engaged with the internet, for example, and let's say, like, I'm sending money home to a cousin or a relative in Uganda, if you don't have a, a mobile phone to receive the money, right, that's the internet right there. You're not getting paid. How is that going to work? Yeah, I think it'd be pretty hard to be completely offline, especially living in, like, a modern 
city or whatever, you know, like you could do it if you're like an off grid person who lives out in, you know, Alaska or whatever. But, you know, I was looking at the photos and looking at all the cords and cables coming out of the musical equipment. I was like, this guy is an obsessive and he knows it. So he's just like, if I was on the internet, I would be on the internet all day, all night. So he's just like, I just like us. (laughs) Yeah. He'd be like, I'm going to end up like Jason. So I'm going to stay off. Living Live online. I work work online. Play video games online. Do everything. Yeah, I mean, it it's almost like a privilege to be able to live without the internet. That's kind of like my theory that like in the future. Remember, like when computers first came out, or cell phones, only like rich people had them. Yep. Now, now, like the real like flex is just gonna be like not having email. Maybe just having like a mobile phone or something. Kind of like I can't remember if this was Rihanna or whoever, but like. She like just had like a flip phone or something. Yeah, I feel yeah. like she had like a razor or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah a razor or something. That's gonna be a flex, like not having to deal with the internet at all. Like people do that shit for you, just like vibing. Yeah, either that or moving weight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean that's, that's always been got... uh, a flex. <laughs> it's like that's why Rihanna doesn't use a cell phone, doesn't speak on the phone. No, 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 never. No, yeah, never talk on the phone. Yeah, always mean always being a person, right? <laughs> Very good, <laughs> but um, but at the same time, though, like I admire the fact that he is he's staunch about his views, and I think that is something that has been lost in skateboard culture is that deep connection to DIY kind of anarcho punk, and not in like the sort of like a uh, cool I got my anarchy patch, but in that idea of self determination, mutual aid. You know, this is so you know clearly somebody who. You know, you could probably have like some fascinating conversation with them. I, I'm sure there must be like I don't see too many folks like this lurking around LA, uh, San Francisco now and again, uh, definitely in New York. Like on uh, like on St. Mark's, like uh, yeah, oh, absolutely. Like, like, like some somebody somebody who used to ro- somebody who definitely used to roadie for leftover crack. <laughs> Jeez. Wait, is leftover crack a band name or is that? Um... Yes. Yes. <laughs> Crack Rock City, <laughs> Lower East Side, all day, every day. Shit, I, I thought you <laughs> were talking Tompkins. about leftover uh, drugs. No, 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 no. But but shout out to shout out to Tompkins before it became the TF. Okay, so old man Paul. This is a fifty-six year old man, born in the mid '60s. Lived through the hell of the nineteen seventies as a child. Thatcher's Britain as a teenager and a twenty-something. You know, probably went to a couple raves here and there. Didn't love it too much. Did some stuff with Aphex Twin. What's the future version of Old Man Paul? What's the future guy or gal or non, you know, non-binary person who is going to be completely detached from life 25 years from now? Like, what's going to be the equivalent? He's going to be like, oh, no, I got the throwback iPhone. I don't, I don't do this other shit. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, well, kind of like BTS type uh, person. I don't know. It's, it's just such an online world now. That's tough. Jason, you got a theory? Oh, well, for skating, it would be like, it's kind of like a joke, but like someone with like a CRT tube television with like a copy of the iPath promo on DVD, just like watching it and like, you know, static two on DVD and shit. <laughs> with, a, with a VX held together with like... Yeah, VX, uh, like like a 10 times repaired VX. Oh, wow. Wait, so yeah, but yeah, the, oh, they came out with this phone. It's called a light phone. Mm-hmm. I don't know if y'all saw it. It's like super minimalistic. It doesn't have any apps. You can only call, like make telephone calls and do like uh, text messaging on it. 
I don't know. It's pretty sick if you're into like minimalism. Because like the internet, I don't know, dude. The internet's kind of stupid now. When when people refer to the internet, it's basically the same three apps, like going back and forth between the same three apps over and over and over again. Maybe four apps. God, it's so true. I open up Instagram. I don't even want to look at Instagram, but I open it up and I'm just like, oh yeah, fucking hate it here. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Like, because even now, like, it almost seems like there's some people who are sort of stuck in Philadelphia 2004, 2005. But it, because that's the aesthetic right now, that's the vibe, and there is a certain element of nostalgia for that era, it's cool. Like, it, it's on trend. But at what point does that become something sort of like, well, he, that guy's a bit funny, but, you know, he's all right. Um, and again, that's like a very, like, th- this dude, Old Man Paul, is like a very, very, very English type. Like, really, really, really set in his ways. Um, really, 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 really dedicated to this path, this weirdo path that he carved out for himself. And it's something, I guess it's also something to be admired too, because it also shows that skating continues to be rewarding, even if you're not jumping downstairs anymore. And, you know, I'm not jumping downstairs anymore. I never really was that good at it. And even though I'm in better shape now than I was when I was younger, because then I was just like skin and bones, wasn't working out or anything like that. Um, I still don't do it. And I still get fulfillment out of skating and I still enjoy learning something out of it. And this guy, as old fuddy-duddy and crusty and potentially miserablest as he, he may come off, you could tell when he's on his board and he's skating at that park, he's just like, he's in heaven. And he's at a level that most adults his age, at age 56, firmly in middle age, borderline pensioner, he is, he's in heaven. And no midlife crisis could ever get to him because he's like, I get on my skateboard, everything is all right. And I'm achieving shit. Yeah, I mean, that kind of uh, ties into what Mackenzie Eisenhower were talking about in his article, like just like rolling around or being able to roll around is like almost like 70% or whatever, you know, the whole thing when you're like that age or our age, whatever, 40s, you know what I mean? What else? Yeah. What else do you yeah, I'll relate it to like pretty much like the whole article, like staying local, like I'm skate flat at the school up by my house, you know what I mean? like treating yourself to new decks and shoes and whatnot. Cause that's the thing. Like if hopefully, you know what I mean? If you're lucky, if you're a middle-aged person, hopefully you're making a little bit of money. So I would say, yeah, just like he says, like get a new board, like almost every time, like whenever your board starts to feel a little mushy, like fuck it, just get a new deck. Cause like, who cares? You know what exactly. I mean? So who should be sending this guy a box? What company <laughs> needs to hook him up? Like, yes. What's, like what's like the most crust punk, like heroin are they on that uh vibe yeah that would be a good match because that's like a uk <laughs> company anyway we're talking about uh old man paul on heroin yeah we're talking about okay old man paul and Mackenzie eisenhower who's sending them a box and who needs to send him a box yesterday again i mean Mackenzie eisenhower like from this article it seems like he could get a box from most people you know he worked at trans world when I worked at the skateboard mag, I could pretty much get a box from whoever I wanted, which was extremely nice. So I, I don't think that he's like hurting for boxes. I, he's just like, I'd rather just skip the hassle of like doing the email niceties and just go to the shop and buy what I want. Okay, get down with the vision. The AARP's minimum age for membership is 50. So for Mackenzie, maybe he can finesse like a, a story about this. Like, Mackenzie, we're looking out for you. <laughs> like... I don't know, like maybe like free, you know, like maybe they could like, hook, you know, put you at the front of the line for Medicare, something like that. I don't know. <laughs> That's the real hookup. 
pretty healthy. Like, yo, I got that Medicare Advantage. What's good? <laughs> I don't know, dude. Skating's probably good, like if you're uh, of an advanced age, anyway, because it probably keeps your reflexes sharp and whatnot. Yeah, and you you're achieving something, you know, because they say that. Um, also, they say that you know, for most centurions, people who live to be a hundred and plus. That the thing that really keeps them going is a routine. So you always hear those stories about, oh, for example, there was a 100-plus-year-old lady, old black lady living in Georgia. Uh, she might still be alive. I remember she was like 103, 104. And her thing was she drank three Miller High Lifes a day. Now, it wasn't the alcohol, right? Because there was also uh, an older French woman who used to have like, a glass of brandy and a square of chocolate. It, it's the routine. It's something for them to look forward to. If it wasn't the Miller High Life, it'd be something else, like playing dominoes or chess or, or painting or something like that. So skating is probably this thing that keeps this dude wired, that keeps him, it's got in, his endorphins rushing, like you said, it keeps his senses sharp. And it's, it's something that makes him, also, that's, here's the other thing about people who live to, be, uh, live to be very old, a sense of purpose. And skating does give you a sense of purpose. The worst session eventually comes to an end because the next one is always going to be better. Yeah, and if you're working on like a project, you know, like a video part or something, that's certainly motivation to advance and to keep doing things and to keep trying things and be creative. Um, Who's going to drop that part at 65? <laughs> the real retirement part. Man, I'm working on my part for 65. I've got like two clips. One clip a year until you're legally of age to retire or start collecting Social Security? Dude, I think that'd be pretty good. I think I could get a decent trick every year. Like one. Or maybe one, like... Yeah. Or maybe go hard in the pain and be like, one hammer a year until you're 65. I, I think it's possible. You'd have to skate a lot yep. just to make sure you keep your skills sharp, but uh, I think it's possible. And, and your idea like, of, yeah. of a hammer would evolve, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but at I mean, least one hand probably should, middle age. Yeah, so like, just, like how, how old is Ron Allen? He's almost 60, I think. He's still skating. Yeah, Mark Gonzalez is 52. Like, I just looked that up. Yeah, yeah oh. Mark Gonzalez, Ron Allen... They're still out there doing it. So, yeah, those guys, like, probably like Andrew Reynolds will probably be, like, ripping. Like, how old is he? My age. 40-something? Yeah. Again, there's we're in uncharted territory. We don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it remains to be seen. I think the outer limits of street skating. Which is terrifying in some ways, right? Because we've seen, like, this revival of curb skating and ledge skating that you could do for years and years and years and low impact. Is there going to be somebody who's going to hit 70 and still be killing it? I think it's possible. I mean, look at Gans. Like, he was trying to board slide like a five or six stair rail on one of those crazy, weird shaped boards uh, in that new Crooked video. So, I think it's possible. And, like, I remember some Jamie Thomas interview saying, like, you got to take a good slam every session so that, like, your body's still used to it. So, if you just stay on that program, stay healthy, you could, I think you could do it. As long as you don't break your hip, shit. Yeah, you got to get on it. Cause, like, if you're athletic, and- doing athletic stuff like going to the gym you can probably stay active until you're like 70s like look at like who's old like schwarzenegger schwarzenegger is like 70 something he's still you know what i mean hell yeah jacked and whatnot that's why like, i think like going to a gym is pretty important just in terms of making sure your body like doesn't turn to mush you know what i mean as you get older Jason, I know that there's a lot of younger cats who are still very much in the fuck sports and fuck uh, health and gyms and things like that. But for, you know, younger cats who have never been to the gym or, you know, have thought about it, but, you know, can't find the time, whatever, maybe now they have the time. Like, what's the first thing you'd recommend that they do? Like, 
not necessarily get on a program, but like, how would you say, like, how do you get them in and just be like, yo, this is how, this is what gets you hooked. Oh, just, I would get a, get a few sessions with a trainer first, just to like show you what to do. You know what I mean? They'll probably, they'll probably just start out with like kettlebells just to get your body used to like throwing that type of weight around. You know what I mean? I would just, yeah, I would just get like three or four sessions with a trainer just to show you like how to do squats and benches and stuff. And then, yeah, maybe get a program or something like buy a program. But yeah, going to the gym is awesome. Like, I don't know. It just makes you feel rad. Hell yeah. When you, when you get out, you're all like charged up and whatnot. Damn. That's not been my experience at the gym. When I'm at the gym, I'm like, fuck, this is such a waste of time. I could be using this time and energy to do something that I like, like skating. I even have that experience, yeah. like riding my road bike. I'm just like, God, this is so fucking boring. So now when I ride my bike, I ride a mountain bike, even on the road and just like do little jumps off curbs and shit. Yeah. yeah. But like once you start progressing and stuff, it's pretty tight. Like, you know what I mean? It's kind of like skating, like, oh, like I did this today let me see if i can do that you know what i mean if i can do five more pounds today or something i don't know mm-hmm. i can as see a, that pro- i can see that as a progression component to to it too so that's pretty tight i think the the also thing about working out i haven't been to the gym since last year haven't uh went swimming last weekend which was amazing i haven't been in a year and that was really the way that i was getting my getting really getting my fitness in and recently i've switched to kettlebells and doing a lot of stretches and squats and calf raises for skating is that again it's for skating like i look at it as it's great for my mental health it's awesome for my physical health it's helped me keep me sane during the pandemic but then also like this is why i can skate at 39 because i still work out pretty much like five six days a week you know even taking a walk you know keeping your metabolism up eating actually eating healthy and you know we kind of like for Guys our age, we all learned that from the pros, like the pros, some of whom got sober, some of whom got on programs, some of whom still party, but they work out like crazy. We watched our favorite skaters go from being just eating fast food and hanging out to being like, I'm into smoothies and, you know, swimming for two hours a day. You know, look at somebody like Reynolds for Staygold, how he trained and then he skated. And you feel your skating is actually that much better when you are going hard in the paint. Um, exercising and that's like that's like the best feeling because then like that's what it's kind of like a feedback loop it gets you hyped to go to skate and then you're like okay cool let me keep pushing myself working out so then i can skate that much better next time i go out yeah i need to get on a program i got a big ollie i need to do so if you got uh ollie training exercises hit me up like leg day like leg day every day i guess i just need to learn how to like i just like day two a day i just need to do a big ollie just one, just one. Uh, oh, over that uh, trash bin or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know the one you're talking about. Calf raises, calf raises. Yeah, or do like do like box jumps or whatever. Ever seen those like on Instagram or something? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, people, I'll have to look like, it up to what, make sure I get it. Yeah, right. yeah, that's almost like a CrossFit kind of thing. But yeah, just shit like that. This is a show mostly about skate media. Seeing as how old man Paul is unaffected by media, we started wondering if creating media is an essential part of skateboarding. So, Jason. Is making media and creating content an essential part of skateboarding? Nah, it's like soul skating, bro. You you can't just drop that. You got to tell us, man. (laughs) What is this soul skating you speak of? Soul skating, just like go out and rip, not for the camera, like just for yourself. I feel like, like, yes, certainly. But uh, I, I feel like there's just this urge in skateboarding to like see yourself skate to like 
see your friendscape to put something together to make a video like where like where do you think that comes from patrick i think uh skateboarding has evolved alongside social media i think that initially you wanted to take pictures and take video because you saw it in magazines and you saw skate videos every now and again it was a rare thing up and up until probably about 2000, 2001, it was a rare thing to have access to a lot of skate videos. We, every scene had maybe one or two people who collected everything that came out, but more often than not, you were sharing tapes. You know, you were passing dubbed copies of questionable virtual reality, 411s, the foundation video, Welcome to Hell, you know, 20 shot sequence, something like that, trilogy, things like that. The same videos, people were passing on pretty much the same things all over the world. Um, but with the growth of social media and the ability to quickly create and share content almost instantaneously, also even live streaming, there's almost this sense of, uh, oh, I've got to as well. We are social animals and, you know, we tend to want to mimic what other people are doing. And I agree with Jason. It ideally should be about soul skating. It's about skate, skateboarding has always been about lore, right? This person did this trick at this handrail, this gap, this ditch. You know, did this trick on this curb. And also, because you couldn't see how to do things, you, you kind of had to just figure them out. And once you had, once you started seeing videos and photos of people doing flip tricks, especially in the pressure flip era, then you really, people, it really stretched people's imagination. Whereas now, there's somebody who's like, yo, what's up? This is Mike. I'm going to show you guys how to do a pressure flip. You just put your foot like here, and boom, this is my TikTok. Uh, like and subscribe, bong, bong. You know, there's no mystery in there. Yeah, it's definitely easier with like such uh, easy access to media and like a whole history of skating. And uh, yeah, I think that even before that, I think that there was like an urge to document skating. And I think maybe it was like, like you said, like emulating the magazines, because I think like every skateboarder who took a photography class used the used the school's camera and film and darkroom to go like shoot skate photos. I remember trying to fake a sequence of just shooting stills of like the trick progression to try and stitch it together. Oh, like like poser of the month style, but a sequence. Right, like you do the trick like ten times and you shoot like oh, <laughs> you know like the different segments of it or whatever. But yeah, like you said, I, I think we talked about this on this podcast before, but it kind of goes back to like the punk rock like DIY ethos that was tied into skating like from the beginning like zines and shit you know what i mean that's what makes skating unique as opposed to other sports like there there were no like basketball zines in like 1985 know what i mean right other sports don't have diy media until the explosion of like the nba blogs like free darko and shit like that in like the early 2000s or whatever yeah exactly so yeah so i mean it kind of goes back to that and for a lot of people, like that content is what kind of sucks you in to the culture, whether it's like you see a thrasher, you know what I mean? It blows your mind. Like, you know, not everyone has like a bunch of rippers in your neighborhood. Like, you know, no, not everyone grows up in Huntington Beach. sees like Jason Lee skating down the street or whatever, you know? So that content, whether it's like a video, you happen to see a video or a mag, that's the shit that like gets you hooked or whatever. You know, but in terms of um, content creation, right? Um, I think it's worth 
it's worth thinking. It's worth thinking about a couple of things. The first one being that skating has always been about branding, especially sponsored skating. I mean, you're sponsored. The shirt that you wear, it's always been subtle, but you know, you're sponsored. Someone is paying you to wear their shirt, skate their boards, be in magazines, and feature their products. Right? right. We can't get away from that. But the idea of a skateboarder as a content creator really took off with the arrival of social media, MySpace, YouTube, Facebook, and most recently Twitter. And Instagram, both neither of which are actually new, new. I mean, it's 2021. There's those of us who've been on those platforms since day one. And those, I think, have really fractured not only the skateboard media landscape, they've actually really fractured the traditional path of being a sponsored skater because there's incredible skaters who are not sponsored by any one of the big time companies. You know, they you know, they're just doing their thing and they got a lot of followers and maybe they're getting some boxes and they're maybe getting product from companies that have nothing to do with skateboarding. But ordinarily, if you were exceptionally good, even if you were doing quote unquote dorky tricks, you were getting somewhere in the industry because you, you at some point you you can't ignore that type of talent. Um, and then here's like the second point, And I think something that is really important for us to do is to uh, firmly stand on the side of not wanting to be old men yelling at clouds. Rather, we should look at ourselves as people with perspective, people who were born at a time when we were able to live through the end of the analog era, the transition into digital, and now living in this fully digital world. And that's important for us to share our perspective because, you know, we got to ask the question because we're the ones who need to ask the questions of, like, what's the effect on shops? Like, what's the effect on the skateboard industry? Who's paying for all of this? Because it used to be if you made a video, it was like a big effort and, you know, someone would give like a, a Bill Strobeck back when he was on workshop. They'd give you a per diem. They'd give you um, a gas card or they'd ask you to, um, to log your miles. They'd send you tapes. They'd buy you camera equipment and they'd send you on the road. You'd work. You actually were paid for it. Now with all of these people who are able to film high quality skate videos on their cell phones 24-7-365, how do you make your content more compelling? Who could keep up with creating this much content? With regards to getting the best content all over the world, especially as skateboarding is globalized, what's the, what's the effect on the environment? What's the effect of people you know, traversing the globe to go get clips? I mean, it's awkward to talk about. I mean, there's a lot of us who like to say we're environmentally friendly, but at the same time, we trip out about the fact that there's people who've flown to Barcelona 10 times to film one trick which cannot be, you know, is definitively not good for the environment. And then, you know, the other question that we have to ask, having grown up in a totally different landscape, is what are the long-term developmental and mental health effects of little skateboarders or young skateboarders being on Instagram, TikTok, nonstop? And not just teenagers, you know, like um, elementary school kids and teenagers, but also like 20-somethings. When you're 20-somethings, you're supposed to be out in the world doing shit. And I see kids who are, not kids, like, 20-something people who are posted up on the gram just like, damn, you're letting life just pass you by. Yeah, I mean, I think that should even affect me. 41-year-old me is like having my brain zapped by Instagram all day. Oh, you mean like fucking up your attention span and shit like that? Yeah, totally. Not just attention span, but the way that people, um, the way that people perceive the world, the way that people engage uh, with complex ideas, the way that people converse with other people. You know, that's something that is really being shaped. I mean, one thing that happens on the internet is everybody's brave on the internet because right. we're all technically anonymous. There's a lot of people who will probably say shit that they would never say in public. And if they did, they would get knocked the hell out. That's something to really think about. That That's a developmental and, and uh, social side effect right there. 
and you know and like skateboarding like i know we're all supposed to be buddy buddy and skateboarding is we're all family we're all skaters but there's those there's skaters who do online bullying and online beefing hey we talk our shit on this show that's for sure <laughs> exactly oh yeah all, uh, yeah beef in like instagram comments is so stupid like but like yeah, kids, it's the worst but you know you know for us you know we're older folks we're older men like we've lived our lives like and we have other things that we appreciate and also real responsibilities and bills but if you're a teenager there are kids who freak out over instagram fights they freak out over instagram comments they are living for the comments. They're living for the positive reinforcement of those comments. And how dangerous is that? Because in skating, it's supposed to be about soul skating. It's about the stoke. It's about, you know, the cheer from your friends, not you constantly checking your phone to see how many people watch that clip of you doing an impossible off a curb. Yeah, but those, those likes are like virtual cheers from your virtual friends. So it feels good, you know, like... You do the impossible off the curb, you get a bunch of likes, it feels good. It makes you want to go do an impossible off a two-stair or whatever, like, you know, up your game. So I, I think it, it's definitely motivating and uh, has an effect. Yeah, I mean, you know, for your average dude, like, it take, it's not really feasible to, like, edit a video and then post it on YouTube and be like, here's my, here's my video part. It's, you know, a lot easier to just be like, all right, here's, like, a couple tricks from today, here's a fucking line from today, and put it, like, either on your story or hard post it, you know what I mean? And be like, boom, there it is. Like, it's hard to like curate a skate video. You know what I mean? On your own, you kind of got to have a team and shit. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I feel like skate content creation is really for the young, for the young. They got the ideas, they got the motivation and they got the time. It's hard so for then, us old dudes to get out there and do it. So then Templeton, like this would be a question for you. Um, you know, and especially a lot of folks who have worked in skateboarding, who worked especially on the media side of skateboarding. Um, what does it feel like seeing a lot of like, maybe even some of your work being posted and reposted? You're not seeing a cent for it. And, you know, kind of in some cases, like taking on a life of its own. Like on one hand, I love accounts like Skated the Chillers and Vintage Skate and Pier 7 that are recycling footage of my favorite spots and my favorite skaters wearing cool stuff from the 90s. But then I have to remember that somebody else put in the work to take that photo, to skate that spot, to film that trick. And they're, they're not seeing a cent. And there's not necessarily a way for them to translate that, those IG likes into, you know, into bread. Yeah, I think, like, I feel like those people, a lot of times, they got paid at the time, you know? Like, you filmed something, you know, like, I filmed some tricks for some videos and they paid me money for that you know like America paid me money or DVS paid me money or whatever so like I got paid for those tricks that I filmed and the, those photos that ended up in magazines like those photographers got paid so it's not like it's not like their shit just got completely jacked and also I think those pages like they're not really making any money either so it's not like you know it's not like they're profiting off of somebody else's work necessarily it's like they're just getting a little bit of clout but like you know all those photographers have more clout pretty much i think it, it's like a symbiotic relationship really you know like think about chrome ball like that's all just uh curated content that already that pre-existed and I, I would imagine that a lot of the people who are featured on chrome ball are just like stoked to be featured because like eric has good taste so if he selects your photo or like you're skating then you feel good so i, I don't i don't think i'm not tripping off that kind of stuff what about well, you no. jason well yeah the legal like ip realm is kind of weird with skating because with music like you know what i mean it, there's like publishing companies and all that shit so if you post 
a song from say like whatever Prince or whatever, like you're done. You know what I mean? You might get might get served the next day or whatever. But like skate videos is weird how they keep getting like reposted over and over and over again when theoretically it was someone's copyrighted work or whatever. But I don't know. In any event, one thing that I am stoked on in the new media environment is uh, all the re-edit artists. You know what I mean? Like the memory screen guy, like uh, Swift Blazer guy. Those are like fucking awesome. Oh, like Manolo's tapes, Paul Young, yeah. Kalis one um, many years ago. Yeah, that, that's been awesome, especially because I remember reading Manolo. Apparently he does everything in Ableton. So he has an entire library of skate sounds that he's curated from <laughs> just, from, just from raw footage so that he can actually edit the sound. Like he can take footage, you know, you know, high quality footage. And now people are just sending him tapes or, or are, um, sharing transfers with him so that he can have the highest quality, you know, the highest quality footage for a re-edit. That's been great. That's actually been something that's re that's a lot, created some longevity for certain skaters. And I think that aspect of content creation is dope and it does fall within uh, fair use. Yeah, Templin, didn't didn't you say at one time that like video re-edits is the fantasy sports of skating or something like that? I did, yes. <laughs> I said like Instagram remixes are the fantasy sports of skateboarding or something like that. Yeah. Didn't, yeah. Um, didn't was it Anthony Papalardo, the writer, who created a an edit, like a kind of an edit of the what was would have been the Lost Blind video? I think it's on YouTube. I wanna really? say it's him. Hmm. That's Man, something I would love to see. Yeah, I think I remember what you're talking about. Like, because some of that footage came out, like, um, like guy doing some like crazy like blunt transfer kickflip out. Oh, yeah, just on Instagram, somebody just I think guy posted it. Yeah, maybe yeah, something like something like that. Like it surfaced on some platform, and then maybe someone formatted it into the la the lost blind video. I don't know. I mean, like I would kill to see. You know the unreleased uh, original Menace video, or um, or so, like somebody get like Socrates and just be like, "Yo, sock, like here's a bunch of money. Put this joint together, put it out. The old heads will love it." I would buy a hard. I would buy two copies. Oh well, no, that's the thing. Like whatever unreleased world footage is there, either like uh, that's like the holy grail of skate media. Like whatever un unreleased blind footage, unreleased world footage, either Rocco has or sock has, you know. Who knows? Maybe uh, sometime before I join AARP or retire, it'll come out. But I don't know. Oh, that'd be amazing. We'll count on it. They're gonna be showing that on the big screen and the uh, at the home. Sunday, yeah, Sunday yeah, night, watching. Sunday afternoon movies. No, I'll be watching it on my VR headset or whatever. <laughs> whatever the fuck they do then. Well, however you like, watch it, I know you'll be stoked. Which brings us to the end of our yeah. show, where we talk about what we're stoked on. Patrick, what are you stoked on this week? This week, I'm stoked on Spitfire Wheels, the Harold Hunter Foundation. Uh, I am stoked on Kevin Bradley. I've been loving his Instagram. Sody, Sody 2021, let's go. Exactly. Just on vibes alone. The fact that he was chilling with Congresswoman Maxine Waters, uh, who's, in whose district neighbors a skate shop in South LA. That's where they're based at. Uh, I'm stoked on the new Alchemist EP called This Thing of Ours. I went to the release party for that. That was Oh damn! First, first day party I went to in, in in over a year and a half. It was man, they're, they're starting the day parties in LA. Yo, it was lit! <laughs> Shout out to my boy Jordan for finessing us in. Shout out to Sideshow who's on that record. Um, actually, Sage Elsesser and Earl Sweatshirt are both on it. It's actually very, very, very good. 
And uh, I'm also stoked on my interview with Carl Aikens that just dropped over at CCS. Like, life comes full yep. circle. I was a junior high kid looking at CCS catalogs, circling boards. And I got an interview with Carl Aikens, who's the man. Chocolate, y'all better turn him pro. Otherwise, yo, there's going to be problems. Jason, what you stoked on? I am stoked on Venture Trucks uh, straight out of San Francisco, California. Stoked on a video part from a Barcelona uh, local. Way back when I interviewed uh, the Makba Life guy, recorded snacks, I asked him, like, yo, who are like the up and coming rippers over there? He was like, yeah, Brandon Albarega, like, he's a ripper. And he just dropped a part on, I think it's on free, free skate mag, just to give them another plug. Yeah, in terms of like low impact, like tech shit, like, yeah, it's pretty dope. I think he's on like, was definitely on the Hell House program, like Adidas, maybe like FCC Barcelona, but yeah, he needs a proper board sponsor for sure. Damn, someone can look out. And um, as the sports liaison for this podcast, super fucking stoked for the NBA play-in tournament that starts on Tuesday. Knicks, baby. New York Knicks. Yeah, Knicks. I I think Knicks just straight up made the playoffs. They don't even have to do the play-in tournament. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even know how it works. I looked at like a bunch of diagrams and shit. I think like if you're the seventh seed, you only have to win once. If you're the 10th seed, you have to win twice, but... Yeah, it's gonna be pretty intense. Um, it's gonna like basket. It's like basketball, like free base. Like take the playoff intensity of a regular NBA playoff game and just like crystallize it. So that should be pretty dope. Starts on Tuesday. And Templeton, what are you stoked on this week? I am stoked that my friend Josh Love, who's also a listener to this podcast, uh, he went pro this week for the Killing Floor. Much deserved. Uh, he put oh, out man. a part, uh, like a going pro part. And he also had like a super sick part not too long ago in a video called Farewell. So like look out for both of those and go buy Josh Love's board because Josh Love is awesome. Uh, is he, uh, he, he a Virginia Beach guy? Is that right? No, no. He's a uh, Portland guy or Oregon guy oh, right, right, right. by way of Texas. Um, yeah, good dude. So stoked, stoked to go buy his board. Cool to like see a friend's name on a board. So that's it for uh, this week's show. Be sure to check out mostlyskateboarding.net for links to the things that we talked about and other show notes. Until next time, you can keep up with us all week online. Jason, where can the people find you? On the Twitter, at Carbonite1994. On the Instagram, at FrozenCarbonite. On Xbox Live, at Carbonite10101. Can't remember my Activision ID for Call of Duty if you're cross-platform, but... I'll look it up for next time, probably. Maybe, I don't know. And writing stuff for CourseX.com. New stuff coming soon for the summertime, probably. Uh, Patrick, where can the people find you? Okay, y'all can find me on Twitter, at Colonel K Speaks. You can find me on Clubhouse and on Instagram, at Pikagongo. Templeton, where can the people find you upon the internet? I am on Instagram, at Mostly Skateboarding, and on Twitter, at Mostly Skate. We'll see you guys next week. Be safe.